Hey church family, welcome back to another Leroy UMC podcast. Now this is the second week of Advent, and I can't believe how fast this year has gone. We're going to be diving into one of my favorite stories, A Christmas Carol. Now, A Christmas Carol is a story that begins in darkness. Marley was dead, but builds to hope and new life. It's the same with Christmas. The Christmas story isn't just about joy and excitement, but it begins in darkness. Christmas is a time to acknowledge the darkness we each face in our own ways and learn to wait and hope for the light that will come. Let's send it over to Pastor Matthias. Amen. Well, friends, this morning we are starting a new worship series together uh, for the holidays. We always try and have a, a little bit of fun or come up with some kind of a creative idea for the holidays. So our series this year is called The Redemption of Scrooge. And the basic idea for this series is that we're, we're guessing most of us are probably pretty familiar with the, the story or the plot of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Uh, it's a story about a man named Ebenezer Scrooge, who is sometimes played by George C. Scott or, Ebene- or uh, Albert Finney or Bill Murray. Uh, but a man named Ebenezer Scrooge, who is visited by three spirits on Christmas Eve, and because of those visitations, changes his whole life. Uh, Ultimately, it's a story about second chances, about redemption, and above all, about, I guess, it's a story about salvation in a way. It's something that speaks to the ultimate kind of moral of the Christmas story in the Bible. Uh, And since the book is conveniently broken up into four different sections, uh, over the next four worship services, between now and Christmas morning, we are going to take a look at each of those sections of the book and line it up with the biblical story of Christmas. Um, and looking at the very beginning, uh, talking about chapter one this morning, we are looking at one of the earliest Christmas passages that scripture has to give, uh, Isaiah chapter nine. And we'll hear verses 1 through 2 and then skip over to verses 6 through 7. Friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Great will be his authority, and there shall be endless peace. For the throne of David and his kingdom, he will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ, as you are the word made flesh and as you come to dwell among us in this season, May you come and be among us in this moment. 
And may you bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts, that they may be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You could not imagine a more joyful Christmas story than a Christmas carol. It has everything that you could ask for from a Christmas story. It has families getting together to decorate Christmas trees, stressed out adults like Bob Cratchit acting like excited children again, people singing carols, giving gifts, sitting down for holiday dinners. There's even an inspirational little boy who overcomes immense challenges to exclaim, God bless us all, in the most adorable Christmas toast you have ever heard. Most importantly, it has the perfect main character, Ebenezer Scrooge, a miserable person who, after being visited by three spirits, miraculously changes his life and, in the end, finds redemption. You cannot find a Christmas story with more heartwarming moments, with more iconic scenes, or with a more picture-perfect happy ending. But the strange thing is, you also could not find a Christmas story with a darker or more difficult beginning. In the very first sentence of the entire book, the very first thing that the reader who cracks open this joyful holiday classic, the very first thing that they are told is that Scrooge's longtime partner, Jacob Marley, has passed away. That's where the story starts for Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. The very first words are words of loss, of sadness, and of grief. But it doesn't stop there. In just the next few sentences of the opening chapter, we're told about Scrooge himself, about his anger at the way things are going, about his want for more because he wants more security, about his stress, about his frustration, and about his sadness. In fact, the whole first chapter of the book really is largely about getting to know Scrooge, the miserable situation he finds himself in, and the frustrated person that it makes him into. A Christmas Carol is a story of incredible joy, of unimaginable happiness, of second chances, of redemption, and ultimately of salvation, but it is a Christmas story that begins in the dark. But the thing is, as unthinkable as that was at the time Charles Dickens wrote it, and as unusual as that still is for Christmas stories today, from a biblical point of view, the difficult opening of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol isn't that unusual. Because in the Bible, the Christmas story itself begins in the dark. That's something about the original Christmas story that I don't think we appreciate nearly enough. In Scripture, Christmas begins in the dark. And not just the story of Jesus' birth as a whole, but it begins in the dark for each 
individual character. Think about it. When Gabriel comes to tell Zechariah that his wife Elizabeth is going to have a baby, the first annunciation, Zechariah is in the Holy of Holies, a windowless pitch black room. When Gabriel comes to tell Mary that she is going to have a child, church tradition has from the beginning nearly always imagined Gabriel coming to her in the middle of the night. Joseph learns that Mary's baby is the Savior while he's asleep in a dream. The shepherds are out tending their flock in the middle of the night when peace on earth is declared. Even the Magi are out on a road following a bright star in a dark night sky. From Mary to the Magi, every person who has a role in the Christmas story begins that story spiritually, emotionally, and literally in the dark. But few characters capture that fact better, I think, than the people who first began the Christmas story. Contrary to what Christmas pageants and some holiday movies assume, the Christmas story in the Bible doesn't actually begin with Gabriel or with Mary or with a Roman census, but the Christmas story began centuries, hundreds of years before that in the Old Testament with a people who walked in great darkness. Isaiah 9 is one of the earliest announcements of the birth of Jesus Christ, and so it is, in a real way, the very first chapter of the Christmas story. It's a passage that we hear just about every year about a people who are struggling in different ways, who feel lost, who feel helpless about tomorrow, stressed, hurt, and afraid, but who suddenly find incredible hope. Or as Isaiah puts it, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. It's a beautiful prophecy that's meant to give a sense of peace, of comfort, and of real hope to God's people at a time when they so desperately needed it. However, there is one unusual thing about Christmas's dark beginning in Isaiah, just like there is something unusual about the beginning of a Christmas carol, namely, when exactly does Isaiah's prophecy happen? And that is an honest question. When exactly is that prophecy of miraculous, wonderful things supposed to unfold? Let me read verses 6 and 7 of that passage again, and let's see if you can spot when this joyful thing is supposed to happen. Verse 6, For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then verse 7 Great will be his authority, 
And there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. It's the smallest detail you might never pick up on, no matter how many times you hear it read. But just near the end, between verses 6 and 7, the tense of the passage changes. In verse 6, Isaiah writes in the past tense, as if the, story, as if the great miracle has already happened in a way but then in verse 7, Isaiah writes in the future tense, as if this miracle, this thing, is not completely fulfilled just yet. In other words, somehow Isaiah imagines God's people living in the tension between the light they've seen in the dark that they are in now and the promises of the miracles that will be. God's people may walk in darkness today, but somehow they know something more is coming tomorrow. God's people may live with sickness and illness now, but they feel somehow that that pain is not permanent. They may face struggles at work, at home, in their lives, stress and exhaustion, but somehow they know that something else is possible. They may even feel lost now, but even then, somehow they walk by the hope of the life that will be. Or to put all of this in another way, the Christmas story may begin in the dark, but the people are walking by the light they have seen, and they are living by the tomorrow that will be, and that God has already written for them. That's what Christmas is about, really. Or at least that's what Christmas does for us every year. Christmas is a story that's meant to remind us that that disappointment or that failure that you may face now is not the most important chapter in your story. Christmas reminds us that that sadness or frustration you may feel now is not the genre that defines your life. And Christmas reminds us that even that loss you may struggle with now is not where the story ends. Whatever it needs to look like for you this year, Christmas is a story that invites us to walk through whatever dark land we may find ourselves in now with our eyes fixed on the light that we have seen because there is no darkness that can hide it from us and to walk forward in the hope of what tomorrow can bring, because tomorrow is God's to write. That is the hope of Christmas. That's the hope that every character in the Bible who stepped into that dark Christmas story found in the end. That's the hope that Scrooge discovered after his dark beginning, and that's the hope that 
we all need in our own stories this year. Like God's people in Isaiah 9, like Mary and Joseph, like the shepherds and the magi, and like the story of a Christmas carol, many of us are beginning our Christmas this year in the dark. This has been a particularly tough year for many of us and a particularly difficult past few months and past few weeks for many of us and for our church family as a whole. Many of us are tired from battling sicknesses. We're worried about loved ones that we pray for every day. We're stressed about changes at work or changes in our lives we weren't ready for. Many of us have even had to say goodbye to loved ones we never imagined being without. One way or another, for this reason or that, many of us are beginning our Christmas story this year as a people in the dark. But the good news that scripture gives us, the hope that Christmas teaches us, and the plot twist that a Christmas carol shows us, is that the story may begin in the dark, but it's a story about the light that we have seen. And it ends with the new life that will be. Christmas means that there is no struggle, no pain, and no loss that can ever keep us from seeing the light that shines in every dark. Christmas means that there is no difficult chapter that can ever prevent the author of life from making the next chapter unimaginably beautiful. And in the end, Christmas means that there is no dark beginning that can ever erase the new life that God has already written for you. As dark as the beginning may be, that is what a Christmas carol is ultimately about, and as dark as it may sometimes begin, that is the miracle that the Christmas story brings us back to again and again, year after year. So may we have the patience, the hope, the will, and the faith to see it again this year in our own stories. And thanks be to God for it. Amen. Friends, please pray with me. Christ Jesus, you are our light in the dark. You are the child that has been born. You are the king who will reign. And above all, you are our peace. Lord, in this season, when we read your Christmas story, may you remind each one of us that you are the author of our story and that no matter what this present chapter may look like for us, the next chapter is always yours to write. And so long as you hold the pen, any dark beginning can always become a story of redemption. Lord, guide us in this season and fix us on your light. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you are blessed 
and that you are a blessing. Go in peace.